Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today's guest is my good friend, Hal Elrod, whose mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person and one morning at a time. Hal is a father, husband, entrepreneur, investor, public speaker, podcaster, producer, personal development coach, and international best-selling author of the Miracle Morning book series, which has been translated into 37 languages and has sold over 2.5 million copies. In this episode, Hal and I are talking all about how positively impacting others has had a direct effect on the wealth that we generate. We discuss the importance of creating multiple streams of income, the commitment needed to achieve great success, and the unique investment strategy Hal used to build the life of his dreams. That and so much more. One more thing before we get to today's interview. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple or wherever you listen so new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Hal Elrod. All right. Well, we are here with my dear friend, Hal Elrod. I am so excited to be hanging with you on the podcast today. So thanks for joining. JD, I think it's been uh, a day since I saw you. <laughs> right. Yeah, truly a day, like Literally. hours. We played so, volleyball yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> we sure did. And you know, it's so fun being able to get your family together with people that you just love spending time with. The kids all hang out. You know, yeah. the, the, you know, spouses all hang out. I mean, what a blast that we have. And yeah. I mean, this is like every Saturday. Sometimes it's every Saturday and Sunday or Sunday. But uh, we got something special, don't we? We do. And plug to Front Row Dads and John Broman because this was, you know, he organized this many, many, many months ago, maybe a year ago. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, life enhancing for me. So. No doubt. In fact, I, I'm glad that you plug it. I try to plug him all the time because I think that what he does is great. And I was just on his podcast, uh, and I'm, I'm so pleased with uh, just the response that we got, and you know what the lifestyle investor community has done to support Front Row Dads. It's it's really cool, and it's neat to see two communities really come together as one. Yeah, yeah, it it is. It, I I brag about uh, front row dads and, and and advocate for it every chance that I get. Well, you know, you and I, uh, we've got years of history now. There's so much stuff that we love doing. I mean, uh, let's we've got a big UFC fight coming up, <laughs> which you and I love doing. So this weekend we got you know we got the big fight, Conor That's McGregor right. coming back. So that'll be fun. But it's so funny. I was just at a restaurant. I was just at uh, Sun Life Organics, which I think is a spectacular place. If you've never been there, they're mainly in California. But I was hanging with the owner the other day, Khalil, and he just opened one in Austin. And it's unbelievable. When I went there, I immediately thought of you because you have so much love and appreciation and respect for, you know, high quality, organic locally sourced and and sourced in a healthy way uh type of food and so this place just it has your name written all over it so that's why i shot you that picture a little bit earlier yeah 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 and i got to see your your lovely wife in the photo which was a bonus so yeah yeah she doesn't know that i took a picture of her while she was eating (laughs) she thought i was just taking a picture of uh you know the bowl with the logo but i I thought it'd be really fun to capture her in the moment Good stuff, man. It's great. Well, this is really fun having you on, Hal, because it's interesting with the lifestyle investor. We've had so many people come on that have created an amazing life for themselves in some way, shape, or form, whether it's investing through real estate or investing through operating companies, you know, investing through debt. I mean, I've had a little bit of everything on here. I've had a tax professional on here. I've had uh, I, I mean, I feel like everything under the sun, except what I have not had on here is someone that has really created an unbelievable lifestyle through intellectual property or what we call IP, right? Yeah. And so you're the perfect fit for the lifestyle investor to talk about ways that you've been able to live this incredible life based on an idea, a concept that you know you could take and and put into the world and you've done wonderful things. I mean, your your books are incredible. And I say books because you came out first with a great idea, The Miracle Morning, right? And yeah. and that was such a huge success that you've been able to publish this, I believe in 37 different languages. 
which is incredible. And then, yeah. you know, so it spans the world, but then you've been able to have all these extra series built on your brand, on the Miracle Morning brand. And it's really cool because uh, I just recently connected you with uh, a guy that I'm a, a huge fan of, Don Wenner yeah. of DLP. And Don uh, talks about how he uses Miracle Morning for his company. And and I when I heard that, I was like, you have like, this is the coolest thing. Like, he's one of my best friends. I'd love to introduce <laughs> you. And he was blown away. So anyway, I, I'm just thrilled to get into a discussion of what it's like and how do you create lifestyle from income on IP. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. For me, I always most of my friends that built their wealth did it through real estate. You know, quite a few, probably say the majority. And uh, and so I always felt this pressure, this like kind of un, unspoken pressure that like I need to I need to buy real estate. And I never really learned real estate. You know, I, I had my primary residence at one point. We had one rental just because we moved from another house to, and kept the the first house, but but never really went down that road. And and then I started. I actually looked into mobile homes. I went to the training. Uh, I think the same training you went through. And at that training, I was blown away by the opportunity and also had this real kind of reality check where I went, I don't really want to do this. And, you know, and I actually, I reached out to our friend, David Osborne, and I go, I said, David, I said, hey, I want to get your opinion on something. I know you guys have all built your fortunes through real estate and created financial freedom and, you know, lifestyle investing, if you will. And I said, for me, I had kind of a distinction. A, I don't really, I'm not interested. I don't want to go look at properties. I don't find that interesting. I said, and I'm willing to do it if it supports the family for sure, you know, right? I said, but I, the way I see it, every time I publish a book, it creates a new passive source of monthly income. I said, so, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but couldn't, instead of me having, you know, a dozen properties, rental properties, single family homes, couldn't I just have a dozen books that are each paying me monthly royalties? And he, you know, he kind of looked around the room and kind of, huh? Yeah, that, that, you know, that I never thought. He goes, I literally never thought of that as as a as a source of, you know, as multiple streams of passive income. And so that's it. I still have not bought any uh, investment real estate. Uh, not that you know, I might at some point, but uh, but yeah, it's been all through books and uh, online courses and uh, live events, which aren't passive. I mean, I have to run those. And uh, and then latest is the Miracle Morning movie that came out last month. And now that's a new significant source of income, which is a movie, a documentary that uh, people are watching. And, you know, I wake up in the morning and I checked the, how many views were on the movie and how many people bought the book. And, you know, I've shown my kids uh, that uh, I go, look, you guys, this is you can create sources of passive income where while you are sleeping, you're literally earning income that supports your lifestyle, supports your family. And, uh, and at first I went, gosh, have I ruined my kids for normal, you know, work? And I go, well, no, I think I create, I've, I've opened their eyes to something that most people don't ever even, you know, think of, of because we're never taught this growing up. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I love, I mean, there are a couple of things I love. I mean, David made a, a really good point. I'm glad you could run by like your ideas by someone, you know, David's never really specialized in that, but you know, he has such a good perspective on things. So it's so cool that, you know, I run a bunch of stuff by him. I, I just think he's yeah. so bright. You know, he was hanging with us on Saturday playing volleyball too. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just great to, to have such good sounding boards, such good, uh, smart people in our peer group. But what I love about what you do, and I, I love just the whole angle of like, hey, I, I don't need to t have physical assets. I can have intangible assets and those can produce income. And this is just a way, of, a different way to do it. 
But I love that what you do has so much impact and you have so much purpose. I've shared this before with you and I, I thought it'd be real fun to share again. But I mean, my wife thinks that you are literally probably the most incredibly wonderful, kind, giving person that she knows. And, wow. you know, she's very vocal about that. She's like, Hal doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And anytime I ever talk to him and hang out with him, he's always looking to make people better, have this idea to put out into the world, uh, create change, have impact. He's just always trying to add value anywhere, everywhere. And I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, and Thank so it's, it's cool seeing you put this movie out into the world. And I know how hard you worked on it. And I know this is like a six-year project, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And I'm just thrilled that you have it out. And, you know, one, it's cool that it is this uh, agent for change in the world that, that so desperately needs it. But two, it's great that it doubles as another source of income, right? It's yeah. another asset. I always talk about having multiple streams of income. And I know you, like, this is a big belief of yours as well. And this is just a component of that. And I love when you can mix purpose and, and have, you know, a nice financial return too. Yeah, a couple things I want to I'll touch on there. Uh, multiple streams of income is one. So if I forget, bring me back to that. But I want to say impact. You know, I think that if we're really uh, human beings, if we're really honest with what do we really want? Now, if you go further down the line, it's I think it's freedom. But if you back it up in terms of like what gets us there, I think that income and impact are two of are high priorities, right? We want an income again, not, not because we're greedy or money hungry, but because we want the safety and security. And we happen to live in a society, right? That isn't quite like the tribes back in the day where you each supported each other and you, you know, you had specialists in hunting that brought food to the village and then others that were gatherers and other that took care of the kids, right? We live in a, a society that is, you know, you've got to, you have bills that you have to pay, right? And things cost money. So that's where the income portion comes in. The impact portion for me is, is really crucial and it's what drives my behavior more than the income. And one thing that's interesting too, I think that is once you hit a, a level of income where you it covers your bases and so you're not stressed for where am I gonna get my next dollar? How am I gonna, how am I gonna pay the rent or the mortgage? I think that that gives you a bit of, I, I would almost say luxury of being able to go, okay, wow, my bills are paid. What's really important to me? You know, and that's where impact then rises to the top, at least for me, it's like, how can I impact the lives of every person that I love first and foremost, my wife, my kids, my friends, my family? And then how can I impact the lives of everyone that I lead, everyone that I impact, everyone that I that I that my life touches, that I influence? And it was really cool. It was probably a few years ago, I had just an epiphany and it was just it was kind of like an obvious one, but I went to my wife, I go, "Sweetheart, something just occurred to me." She said, "What?" I said, "Every dollar we earn is a result of us positively impacting someone's life, whether they buy one of my books or they go to our live event, or you know, it's it's or they back then I had a group coaching program or they're being coached. Like we're enriching people's lives in a really meaningful way. And I go, that's that feels really good that our income is directly related to our impact. And the more people we impact, the more income that we earn. And so I get to focus not on making money. Uh, so it was years ago that I took my eye off of that completely. And I go, I'm just going to focus on impacting as many people as I possibly can. Because of course, the two were, you know, intertwined in a way that, uh, that supported each other. For sure. Yeah. Whoever adds the most value earns the most. And yeah. motive matters. But the, 
you know, the laws around impact and, and adding value, it doesn't care what your motive is. If you yeah. add a lot of value to the world, you're going to make a lot of, of money. That's just the way that it works. I think it's even better when the motive behind it is pure and good. Uh, and so I, I love what you're doing and I love the message. And really, I mean, you've been encouraging me for years to write a book. So I mean, sure. I obviously acknowledged you, you know, in the beginning of my book because you had a huge impact on me saying, hey, maybe I should do what Hal did and you know, create a book and make sure that a yeah. ton of people in the world can, can read it. And, you know, and, and for me, it was a mission of impact. That's why I didn't want to make anything on the book. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's this whole idea of having these uh, additional assets. Like, you know, I, I built an online course because, you know, I saw people like you with these great ideas. And then you used to have a mastermind and I have a mastermind as well, which is pretty fun. And yeah. so there's so many ways you can add value and you can impact people and you can, you know, really create some some wonderful uh, impact in the world. And you, you've just done a great job of that. Now, you did want me to bring you back to this whole idea of multiple streams of income and not let you forget yeah. about it. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Give us all your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I, a few years ago, I think I, I, I believe I wrote an article, I think it was for entrepreneur.com on this, this topic of multiple streams or multiple sources of income. And back in 2008, when the US economy crashed, at that time, I had a single source of income. I did one-on-one -on -one coaching and I coached entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, salespeople. And when the economy crashed, all of my clients, almost all of them, uh, were impacted by, you know, everyone tightened the reins on spending, like, oh my gosh, the economy's crashing. We, we, you know, we better not spend money. Our stocks have dropped significantly. All of these, all of the fallout from the economic crash. And so my clients, one by one by one, very quickly, I started to lose them because they said, hey, our sales are down significantly. We can't afford you as a coach, right? It's either pay the mortgage or pay the coach. And obviously, we're going to pay the mortgage. And so, you know, I let them out of their contract. And in, in a few months, I lost over half of my clients, which that meant over half of my income because I had one source of income. And when I, you know, I, I eventually built that back. And when I built that back, I said, I will never again rely on one source of income because and if you're listening to this, really think about this. I think that it's almost irresponsible. And that's not like an insult, but just it's irresponsible in a way to put all of our eggs in one basket because history has shown, you know, you, you got a great job, been there for a decade, you can get laid off, right? Or got a great job, company can go to business, right? Or you run a business, it, it can, impl I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong with any one source of income. And so, when I came back, I, I rebuilt my coaching business. I then launched a group coaching program, which was in and of itself a game changer in my income because with coaching, you know, one client, I was earning like, I don't know, $500 a month or something like that for my coaching for one client. So therefore, it was every, I was limited with how many hours in my schedule and how many clients I could have. And then I launched this group coaching program where I started with five clients at 100 bucks each. So still the same amount of money, $500 a month. But then I, I asked for referrals from those clients and I grew that from five to 70 within two months. So that meant I went from $500 a month for running those same two group coaching calls to $7,000 a month for running wow. those same two coaching calls. Wow. And that's when that was a whole paradigm shift of being able to create something that I could scale. And eventually we grew that to, I think I had it at the most 220 something coaching members. So $22,000 a month, but I was still just doing two calls a month. Right. So that, that, that's the part of, that's the element of scale.
it also created where my eggs weren't in one basket, even with that one source, because even if I lost half of my clients, right? Well, so my, my, you know, I still had a $10,000 a month income source. Then I wrote The Miracle Morning, you know, which became, that ended up becoming my number one income source after years of promoting it. Uh, and then simultaneously, I launched my first online or a live event. And we did that every year for six or seven years. Then I launched a mastermind, as you mentioned, which people would join at the live, right? So, so all these different sources of income. And, and so I'm sharing this with all of you to inspire your thinking around how can you create multiple sources of income and create like, you know, like a three-year plan or a five-year plan, right? This isn't about go after all of them at once, right? That, that, that'll cause some overwhelm. But the idea that go, okay, what's the, what's my current source of income? How can I maximize that? And then what would be the lowest hanging fruit? What's a second source of income that I could create, right? Read Justin's book, The Lifestyle Investor, if you haven't. And, uh, you know, Justin, you're an example of multiple sources of income. So, and it's just diversification. Like any good investor, that's kind of like rule number, you know, one or one of the first rules is you diversify. If you're in the stock market, you don't go all into one stock and hope it, you know, ride it till the wheels fall off. No, you diversify across different stocks, different industries, different asset classes, different, you know, countries. I mean, in any way that you can. So start with one, go to two, go to three. And then, you know, in two or three years, you look back and go, wow, I've got five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 streams of income that are supporting my lifestyle uh, as I want. And I have so much less risk because I have so many sources of income. Exactly. That's brilliant, Hal. I mean, one thing I got a bone to pick with you because uh, why didn't you tell me not to launch all my products at the same time? <laughs> you said it creates some overwhelm. Oh, that probably yeah. would have been good to know. But yeah, uh, I, I, I've it, sensed that from you over the last few months. <laughs> In all seriousness, it's been such a blessing. But yeah, it, you know, thinking about it, it's like, whoa, I decided to probably bite off more than I needed to chew. In yep. the wake of a year of COVID where, you know, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of stuff going on. So it's like, oh, I got time, you know, uh, but yeah. it all adds up. It's kind of funny. But yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head with these multiple streams of income. And I also I want to like pull the curtains back a little bit because I want sure. people to know that you didn't just come out with a book that was instantly a bestseller. Yeah. You came out with a book that some people bought yeah. and then you worked your tail off for you know, a whole year, more than a year, but let, let's just say at least a year being on multiple podcasts. I mean, I think you're on like 150 podcasts and you, you know, had a bunch of people like writing articles. Uh, I mean, your process of becoming a best-selling author, it was very delayed. This was not an instant gratification. This was like a slow step-by-step yeah. -step, like process that you went through. And I love that, you know, you didn't give up on it. You just kept pushing it. And then as that became more and more well-known and successful, you added another layer on and another yeah. layer and another layer. And what's also great is you have said, since said, you know what, I'm going to scale back. I'm actually going to peel this layer back. I'm going to remove this one because this doesn't fit who I am or what my lifestyle is anymore. And I love yeah. that you are courageous enough to not be trapped into doing something, which you and I have both done this. We've talked about this, right? But getting away from feeling like you're trapped into doing something and really living life on your terms. You've done it magnificently, I've got to say. Thank you. I'm glad you brought this up, specifically the how long it took for the Miracle Morning to become a significant income producing resource uh, to impact people, etc. 
So yeah, I, this is an important, really important story. In fact, there's a keynote that I give where I talk to authors and I share this and I show them the graph of how long it took for the Miracle Morning book sales to take off. And I've had a lot of authors go, oh my gosh, that graph meant more than anything. If I, I stopped promoting my book after a couple of months, if I would have done what you did, I can't imagine where it might be. So I want to share this for everybody listening. And it, do, it doesn't matter if it's a book. Just, just think about this is the, the time that it takes, the commitment that it takes to create something and really turn it into a success. So when I wrote The Miracle Morning, it took me three years to write the book. So that, that's an investment of time, right? Three years making $0 off the book. That's right. But I really believed it was a concept that changed my life. I called it my Miracle Morning. I taught it to my coaching clients. And almost every single one of them had these profound just breakthroughs and results. And that's what made me go, okay, if this changed this concept, Miracle Morning changed my life and I wasn't a morning person. If it changed virtually all of my clients' lives and none of them were morning people or few of them were morning people, this could change the world. It could change anyone's life. I have a responsibility to share this with other people. So I started writing a book. Three years later, I self-published it. Okay, I didn't have a publisher. I didn't have an audience. I didn't have a big email list. I didn't. I didn't have a platform. I, you know, I wasn't a blogger. I didn't have. I, I wasn't a. I had nothing. I wasn't a podcaster. I had nothing going on. But I believed in the concept, and so I published it. Now, my mission was to change one million lives one morning at a time, and uh, I think it was almost. It was because that number one million. It's a nice round, big number that kind of you know is is intimidating and inspiring and it's such a big target to shoot for. And I chose the arbitrary time frame of one year just because that's the you shoot, right? One million, one year, ah, let's go for it. I had no Sounds plan. Good. I had yeah, <laughs> there was no strategy of how to do it. It was just I'm committed to do it. And I did commit for as long as it took. I was shooting for one year, but I was committed as long as it took. And that first year, you mentioned a little bit of what I did. I did 152 interviews on other people's podcasts. And I uh, did. I launched my own podcast with the book. Uh, same mistakes you've made. Uh, <laughs> and so I did 52 of my own podcast episodes. I gave 36 speeches around the United States and Canada. I was on over a dozen TV shows. And that was paid. I, I paid a, a company that got me on a bunch of morning shows. So I did everything in my power virtually to sell a million copies of The Miracle Morning and reach an impact a million lives. And that year... I sold 13,000 copies. Mm. So I want you to do a little math if you're listening, or I'll do the math for you, but just, just put this in perspective. My goal was a million. I sold 13,000 copies. I, was, I missed my goal by 987,000 copies. That means Ouch. I missed it by 98.7%, almost a 99% failure rate. And there, I worked my butt off, but I didn't. there was very little return on investment financially. In fact, I was in the hole because all the money I spent to promote it and get on TV and all this, I actually lost money, right? But I believed so much in the concept and just in the, in the success I had seen from people that had emailed me or written a review on Amazon saying, this changed my life. I went, okay, I got to keep going. I, whatever, as long as it takes. And so I, I decided I'm going to go for it this year. I was a little more discouraged though, because now I had data to go off. I go, I can't do much more. How am I going to go from 13,000 copies to a million copies? I have no idea. And that second year, I sold like 23,000 copies. So I'm still 97% short of the goal. And then it took six years of year after year, week after week, day after day, doing everything in my power. I did hundreds, I think over 400 podcast interviews and tons more speeches every year, so on and so forth. And finally, 
after six years, it surpassed a million copies in sales. And in, in the last two years, it, it, it's more than doubled that. But the reason for that story, the reason that is so important, I was being interviewed by our friend Mike Koenigs. And nice. I said something, one of my favorite you know, philosophies or quotes, and I, I think it came from Will Smith, I'm not sure who, probably before that, but it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And again, the number's arbitrary. Took me six years, if you will, right? Depending on how you're measuring it, you know, to reach that goal. But Mike Koenigs asked me the most brilliant question for us all to consider. Mike said, Hal, if it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, I guess that begs a question. I said, what question? He said, what do you believe in enough that you're willing to commit 10 years of your life to until it becomes a success? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And so I pose that question for all of you. The point is that you see somebody, whether you see them on TV, they're living your dream, or you see them with a bunch of real estate, or you see them, whatever, you see somebody that you admire, that you go, wow, they're living the lifestyle that I want to live. Man, I wish I could be them. What you don't usually see is the 10 years that preceded the moment that you're looking at them now, and how much they struggled, and how much they failed, and how much they were tempted to give up, but they didn't. And the, uh, that's what I believe that's arguably, that's one singular factor that separates those that are living the lifestyle they want and those that, are, that aren't, right, that have tried, is that we give up and we switch directions before we get to where we want to go. You've got to stay focused on that single thing for as long as it takes to build it. And of course, you know, if you're working on the wrong thing, you pay attention to the signs, you know, if you go, wait a minute. I'm building something that th this doesn't even make sense. Nobody likes it. <laughs> it's not going anywhere, right? Yeah, okay. Switch directions. I think for me, where what the, what I looked for is the microcosm success, the signals of oh, this is changing these fifty people's lives dramatically. That means it could change five million lives, right? But if all my reviews were like this book sucks and this concept sucks and this doesn't work. Well, I wouldn't keep going, right? You know. Anyway, so um, but yeah, I think that that you got to stay committed until you reach whatever it is that you're trying to reach. I love it. it. You know, pulling the curtain back really just shows how like human you are. That everyone wants to see the end product and how cool that end product looks, and you know, to envision that like you are an overnight success. But that's just rarely the way it goes for anyone who has yeah. a lot of success. And I actually love that it took you so much to get there because you respect the work that it takes. You can appreciate that. It makes you uh, able to relate to people better because this is what most people are going to experience. Yeah. And I, I love that you talk about these multiple streams of income because I've been talking about this for years. I think this sure. is imperative that, you know, number one, you get passive income. Uh, whatever you need to do, cover your expenses at a bare minimum, cover what it costs you to, to survive and ideally get to the point where you cover your lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, if you have an area of expertise, do it inside that area. You don't have to diversify. You know, you've got some people that say, Hey, diversify like crazy. And other people that say, Hey, stick with your area of expertise where you're a master or you at least have more expertise in that one area than anywhere else. And so you've got great minds, great financial leaders that, you know, promote both ways. I think you should do both. I think you should have an area of expertise. And then once you have that base, then you kind of expand out into other uh, areas that can supplement it. And in your case, it you know took it over, right? But I think it's cool to 
be in a place where you can learn new things. You can say, hey, we got income covered. What new do I want to learn? Like this is half the fun for me, probably way more than half the fun. At least half the fun is like, I don't know anything about this world. So let me try this. And, uh, you know, I I can try it because I'm comfortable on the income front. I don't have to worry. Am I going to pay my bills or not? We're covered. We got, you know, passive income to do that. So now it gives me this opportunity to get out of my comfort zone even more. Try something new. You know, I, I never really thought of myself as an author or a writer. I look at you, Hal. I'm like, you're an author. (laughs) You're a writer. You've written a ton of books. I looked at me and I'm like, I'm an investor. You know, I've done some stuff in the entrepreneurial space. I can, I know how to start and scale companies, but I don't know how to write. But it was really cool because I had the time because I took care of the finances first and I was able to pursue something that I didn't even know it it was going to be a passion of mine. Like doing this process was so fun because I didn't realize how much I enjoyed writing. And actually, the actual aspect of writing isn't what I enjoyed the most. It was like speaking it, recording it, and then just like creating all kinds of different things. I'd invite people in to, hey, you know, ask me questions, interview me, you know, just get me thinking differently than how I think on my own. And it was fun getting some creative brains in and just wonderfully gifted people to extract info that I had stored up that maybe I wouldn't have pulled out myself. But it has been fun, that whole process and the people and the village that it takes to create, you know, the idea. And I know you can relate on so many levels, having all the, you know, products that you have, all the IP that you've built. Yeah, well, I think that it's great to see you you living what you just said, right? Which is, you know, that idea that once your base income is is covered, that kind of frees you up to explore creative uh, endeavors. And, and, you know, and try new things and, oh, failed at that one. All right. Uh, let's try something else, you know? And I think that is, that is really a, a fun uh, aspect. Like making a movie was something that I, you know, like that was being the executive, I was the executive producer and, uh, it was a whole new world. And, and again, I, I get, I feel like I get the least amount of credit. The executive producer just, you know, just finds the people that actually know what the hell they're doing. Cause it's not me, you know? And, uh, and puts together the team. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a movie. And uh, yeah. And by the way, the goal for the movie was I would originally, uh, this is important. Originally, I hired a director, my good friend, I partnered with my good friend, director, uh, Nick Conadera. And, uh, you know, I knew nothing about making a movie. So I said, Hey, what, you know, how, how much is this going to cost? How long is this going to take? And he said, you know, one, it'll take a year uh, and, and be the budget of about $100,000. And I was like, okay, and that's, that's, a, that's a lot. But will, you know, I'll get loans, whatever I have to do, or, you know, I didn't know if I'd be able to fund it or not. But this was, you know, 2014, I think is when we started. But, uh, but anyway, uh, it took not not one year, it took six years. Mm. Of course, I got cancer in the middle of that, which was a delayed it, but you know, it is what it is. So six years to make the movie and it was ended up being $350,000 to, uh, to, wow. to make the movie. So yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting because on a lot of these things, it there is an investment. There's yeah. an investment of time. There's an investment of capital. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it the best you can. And then once it's done, you might as well do the best you can to like make sure that you're promoting it because you know that it has value. And, yeah. and I just think that's great. Nick's such an awesome guy. I'm so glad that you guys have been able to strengthen your friendship during this and, and really create a masterpiece. I mean, I, I feel so privileged because I've had a front row seat 
for all these different editions. You know, I went yeah. out to Sonoma with you for the film festival where it originally debuted. Yeah. I went to, you know, we, we did a trip, a family trip to Park City, uh, <laughs> like right. a snowboarding, skiing trip. And, you know, that, that house that we rented, which was a killer house. We're yeah. pretty sure that it was a, a prepper that had uh, built this house because it had anything and everything you could ever want. It was a monstrosity on so much land, but it had a movie theater. So of course we watched the Hal Rod movie, the miracle morning, you know, it's actually really funny. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, but you had a really good friend that strongly encouraged you not to call it the miracle morning. Uh, So we don't have to, you know, (laughs) I, I don't want anyone feeling bad, but like, I just think, how powerful is it that maybe one of your most respected confidants, one of your closest friends, a business partner was like, no, you shouldn't go in this direction, but you had the courage to say, nope, this is the direction. This is the name. Cause that one choice could be the difference between people knowing about it and not knowing about it. Yeah, completely. And yeah, it's funny. The irony is that same friend is the one that told me to go for the run and listen to the Jim Rohn audio that actually is what gave me the idea for the Miracle Morning. And then he said, don't call it the Miracle Morning. Everyone's going to think it's a religious specific practice. And, uh, and I really, you know, I really, I gave that a lot of thought and because he's a very influential friend and, uh, you know, I listened to him quite a bit and yeah, I'm glad with, it is interesting to, you know, to kind of know when to stick to your guns. And our other friend, Tim Nikolai, uh, my neighbor, uh, you know, his whole really putting your hand on your heart closing your eyes whenever you are really when you're asked either you're asked a question or you're asking yourself a question that really to tap use your physiology to tap into your intuition and what emerges as authentically your answer not just in your head but from your heart and in your body and that's been so helpful to to really you know uh get out of your head and uh and listen to the wisdom of of the infinite intelligence of your heart to, to come up with those intuitive answers that that really guide you in the right direction. That was one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing that. You know, we're so blessed to have such a great support system. And I mentioned this at the beginning, but I just have to say it again for, you know, all of our listeners that the, the best thing you can ever do is be intentional about who you're spending time with and that they're people that really bring you up in life that A, they're doing things in life that you uh, appreciate and aspire to and be yeah. that they just play the game of life at a different level. They see the world in a different way. And that, that, that perspective can rub off on you in every positive way imaginable. And then at the same time, having mentors and coaches that really help you, you know, play the game of life again at that higher level. And sometimes, these coaches are people that, you know, are just right place, right time. Other times you got to go out and seek them out. But sure. I'm so thankful, like for, for us, I mean, Hal is one of the guys that's part of our accountability group. So I'm in a dad's accountability group. This is for like being a better dad, being a better husband. This is something that uh, Tim Nicolai and, and John Broman are also in. So it's the four of us. And we meet once a month for a deep dive, two and a half hours. And we get into the real deal. And I just really appreciate these guys so much because uh, we cover the things in life that are the most important. And uh, that's, you know, it's family. It's family first. And yeah. I was, it's often what guys aren't talking about because guys get together and usually talk about business. Sometimes it's sports. You know, in fact, even my wife will tease. She'll, I'll get off the phone with, you know, like, our, like John Berghoff, my buddy. And, uh, 
She'll go, hey, so how how are uh, Mara and the kids? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, what do you guys talk about? I'm like, uh, other stuff, you know. So it's great to have our group where we that's you know that's our primary focus is the wife, you know, our spouses and our children. I love it. It's so cool. Now, this is I got a fun question. I often start my podcast with this question with you. I thought it might be fun to uh, kind of mix it up, and so. Uh, and I think I know the answer to this, but I want to ask it for anyone else that uh, may be curious. But this is a new year, 2021. But this is going to be a different type of year for you. I'm curious yeah. what you're most excited about this year. Yeah, that's a great question. The for me, it's you know honestly, it's it's living in alignment with what I call my foundational schedule, which is the schedule that I created that I want to live by, and. This year, it's it's much less work focused uh, and much more family focused, and it has gradually been the last few years, but even more so this year. Where one of the things that I've tried and kind of failed to implement, at least to sustain, is only working while my kids are in school, and uh, so that's a big focus. And and I want to spend half of that time with my wife. So it's actually only working half of the time that my kids are in school. Then the other half, actually having a relationship with my wife, where we don't just see each other in the evenings when we're having dinner and putting the kids to bed, but we're actually, you know, spending time together. And uh, so that's the big focus: is the foundational schedule. That's my number one mission this year: is to live my foundational schedule that I that I set out to live. And that schedule is, of course, in alignment with my highest values, which is spending time with my wife and my children. Uh, and on myself, exercising and you know doing uh, and, and developing myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, and then the leftover time, uh, I'll be able to do some work. That's awesome! And way to have your priorities in check. I just I love that so much. And and I was I was hoping that's what you were going to share for like what's new and exciting for you because we've talked about this a bunch. You've been working really hard for years, and you're like, this is going to be a year of rest. This yeah. is going to be a year of rejuvenation. This is going to be a year of like making sure my schedule reflects the lip service that I pay it where I say family first. Uh, And by the way, I think so many of us can relate that we're guilty of saying, oh yeah, I put my family first. And then if you check the calendar, you're like, oh, actually family's dead last. Last. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I've been guilty of this at many points in my career and and making that shift has been a game changer. And you've already been great at that, Hal. I just love that you're being even more intentional with it. And so, you know, my my next question for you is really along the lines of being a lifestyle investor. You know, I, I think about you and how you embody this term so much because you're living life on your terms and you're putting family first and you're working around your children's schedule. And it's just so cool. I want to know from you, like, what does lifestyle investing mean to you? Like, you know, what, what is the draw of that? Why have you worked so hard to have what you have here with regards to, uh, living life on your terms? Yeah. You know, to me, I think it's life. You know, there's a great Jason Mraz, a line from one of his songs, which is simply life is for living. Life is for living, right? Uh, not for working, not for pursuing, not for accumulating, not for making money. Life is for living. And to realize that the purpose of, you know, making money is so that you can live, is so that you can live life on your terms. And, you know, our system is set up in a way where it's very expensive typically to live. And, uh, at, at all, it's all relative, but for all of us, you know, usually, and I think there's, uh, we, we've been conditioned by the media 
to want more, right? I want the new iPhone. I want the bigger house. I want the, right? We want more, 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 more. It's become the American dream, which for many is the, you know, the opposite of the, the dream. It, it becomes the nightmare where you're on this constant treadmill or, you know, a hamster wheel, right? And trying to get ahead. And, and if you, if even that, even just trying to maintain. And so to me, it's about freedom. The freedom to be able to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want to do it with. And, and I think this is an important addition, is to be able to help others do the same. For me, that's always a big thing. Is I, when I was 20 years old, uh, as you know, but I was in a head-on collision with a car uh, or a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour, and I was found dead at the scene. I, I died for six minutes. My heart stopped in a coma for six days. When I came out of the coma... I was told I would never walk again. And as I had a lot of time living in the hospital and recovering and recuperating and eventually did take my first step, but I really, I had a lot of time to think. And my dad asked me, how, how are you feeling? The doctors don't understand why you're so happy. They said, this isn't normal for a 20 year old young man that's being told he's never going to walk again. And uh, speaking of child. <laughs> and so I said, dad, I'm genuinely happy. I'm, they, you see, the doctors thought I was in denial or I was delusional because I was so positive. And they thought this kid's like, woohoo, he's checked out of reality. And I said, Dad, remember, uh, you know, for the last year and a half, I've been giving speeches at, at my, for my company. And uh, I said, I, I've, I've had this dream of being a, you know, motivational speaker. I said, I've always wanted a motivational speaker, but I never really had anything to talk about because, you know, I had a normal childhood. You and mom were really good to me. I never really went through anything significant. Or major, I never overcame anything. And I said, I would have never asked for this car accident, but maybe that's why this happened. I said, so I'm taking on the responsibility that I am going to overcome this in as positive and proactive way as I possibly can, not only for myself, but so that I can help other people to do the same. And so at 20 years old, that mindset was born and it continued the rest of, you know, I'm 41 now, the rest of my life. Everything that I do, I do for the purpose of, yes, I have my own selfish desires. Of course, I want to be happy and healthy and free and, you know, all of these things. But I, I do it almost as much. I'm always thinking, how can this serve the greater good? How can this experience, how can this challenge, how can this adversity, how can this, how can this, how can I get through this and learn the things I need to learn to teach other people so that they can overcome their challenges? And, you know, I think that not that my, I've got anything figured out, but I just think that if we all live that way, there's two huge benefits. There's two huge benefits. Number one is for the greater good. Of course, if you're always asking yourself, how can I serve other people through what I'm going through? How can I achieve a level of success that I can then pay forward and share with other people? But the, so it helps other people. But the other thing is, I find that it helps me. When, I'm, when I get off of myself and I'm on a purpose that is, is bigger than me and it's for other people, I find that even if I feel tired or I don't feel motivated, there's a little mantra I've had for since I was 25, I think, and it's, it's not about me. It's not how get over yourself. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. You owe it to the, your family. You owe it to the world. I believe that we all have a responsibility. This is just my belief, not fact. I believe we all have a responsibility to fulfill our potential because only then can we help others to do the same. And I think that's the greatest gift we can give to others is to fulfill our potential in the spirit of helping other people to fulfill theirs.
Oh, I love that. You put it so eloquently. And I mean, how can you not subscribe to that ideology and that, you know, that philosophy on life? And, you know, I, it's so incredible because your story is just, for people that have never heard it, it's just so crazy. There, to me, there is no, like, what has happened in your life is not this series of random events. You know, I think you have had many wake up calls. I think you have some guardian angels because you were dead for six minutes and then came back to life. And I mean, if you saw the picture, I mean, if anyone here, like saw the picture of this car. In fact, you can see in, in Hal's first book, I believe you have a picture of that in Yo Pal Hal. There's no reason a human being could have or should have ever survived that. I mean, you yeah. had to be literally like cut. They had to literally cut your car apart to extract you from it, yeah. uh, which is crazy. And then years later, they tell you, you're not going to walk. You're, you know, uh, you, you shouldn't have survived. You're most certainly not going to walk. You defied the odds on that. Then you get one of the rarest forms of cancer and uh, almost die again. I mean, you should have died again. Uh, no joke. This isn't, you know, th this, this isn't like a, you know, sarcasm or being funny. Like legitimately, this is like the second time you should have died. You yeah. did not. And through this whole process, you've maintained a great attitude. You've wanted to serve people. And I just know that there's a bigger cause and a bigger purpose. And, you know, you definitely are here to do things to have impact on a greater level than just yourself. And that's re the reason I believe that you have the success that you've had is because you're focused on other people. You're not focused on poor me. I'm the victim. Look what happened to me. My life is ruined. I mean, we even talked before when you were in such dire financial straits. Uh, that like you were in a bad place financially, right? Like it was almost yeah. game over on a financial standpoint. You've been able to battle back out of the craziest situations. I think most people wouldn't have been able to do it on one. You did it on, you know, three major, major catastrophes. And you're here telling your story, preaching great news and, and just wonderful things to the world. Uh, and, and just teaching and coaching on, on a level that most could only dream of. And I am constantly impressed, inspired, humbled by all that you've been able to accomplish. Thank you, Justin. Uh, that, that means a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do question from curiosity of like, it's funny, how did I get so lucky and unlucky? I, I was being interviewed by um, our friend Jordan Harbinger and uh, on his podcast. And he actually, I had never heard someone put it that way. And I never thought of that. He goes, how? There's something really interesting about, about you. He goes, you have the worst luck in the world, car accident, financial ruin, cancer, almost dying, you know, but then you have the best luck in the world. You write this book and it goes on to sell millions of copies. He's like, how many authors, you know, and it was so interesting the the dichotomy of like the polar, you know, ends of the spectrum. And we, you know, when I, when I really get quiet, and I meditate or I pray and I really do search for that answer, I do come up with the answer that it's this dedication to service. And, you know, and I think, I, I don't know, you know, it's not a very tangible lesson. I think it's a spiritual lesson. But when we focus on not trying to impress people, but trying to add value for people, like when your mission in life is how can I add value 
for as many as how can I add as much value as I possibly can for as many people as I possibly can? If that's the driving question, which for me, I defined my purpose in life when I was in my mid 20s, which is to add as much value as I possibly can for as many people as I possibly can. It was a vague purpose, but it drove me in everything that I did. You know, and I think it goes back. Zig Ziglar summed it up really well. Zig Ziglar has a quote where he said, you can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And so I just think there is such wisdom in there to, yeah, how can you add as much value as you possibly can for other people and make that your, don't make the question, how can I make as much money as I can? Try leading with how can I add as much value as I possibly can? How can I add more value? And then, you know, the money becomes a reciprocation for the value that you add. That's right. Yeah, without a doubt. And again, it goes back to what I said that motive does matter. It may Mm. not matter in certain instances, but in the whole scheme of things, it most certainly matters. And one of the things that that I want to point out from a lifestyle investor standpoint, I think one of the things you're greatest at, one of your, your huge superpowers, Hal, is that you are one of the most grateful people I have ever met. You are always talking about what you're grateful for, who you're grateful for, looking out of a lens of gratitude. And I really believe that is what that it's that mindset, it's that abundance, it's that really selfless giving nature and and you know, giving things up and not trying to control it so much and just saying, "Hey, you know, I got dealt a bad hand, but look at all this great stuff I have. Look at all these amazing people I have in my corner. That I think might be the key, the biggest key to having the life that you want is that you're yeah. not focused on what you're getting. You're constantly focused on what you're grateful for already. And yeah. you really are a master there. Yeah. You know, you and I were at church together yesterday. Was that yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we spent a lot of time together. Jeez. But I think that that was one of the lessons that was shared was that, you know, and I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing, but something along the line that God likes when you're grateful and he gives people that are grateful for, gives them more to be grateful for, you know? And, mm. you know, that, 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 again, it's another kind of intangible uh, spiritual lesson. But yeah, I will say that I think it was when I was t- 19 or 20 and I wrote, I actually still, I just showed it to my daughter the other day. It was, it was in my in this notebook that I have where it was like my how my guide or my keys to self mastery or self improvement or something like that. And one of them was be the most grateful person that I know. And you know, I will be grateful for everything in my life, including the challenges and the adversity, because both of those make me grow and become a better version of myself. I will be grateful for everything, every moment, every aspect of my life. And you know, you see that in the Miracle Morning movie. There's that scene where I've been on I've been on pain management for like 10 days. I'm in the hospital bawling my eyes out because I'm in so much pain. And my, you know, I'm I'm, I'm lip, lips quivering and I'm like, this doesn't change that I'm grateful for all of this, you know, like, because I believe if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, you know, and the greater the adversity, the greater the opportunity for growth. And it is the opposite of the victim mindset, right? The gratitude mindset is the opposite of the victim mindset. And part of my miracle morning practice every day is writing down, this is what I'm grateful for. And then meditating on it for just a few minutes, really feeling that gratitude at a deep, soulful, heartfelt level. And you know, whether or not that attracts more success, I don't know. But I do know that I find that the quality of our life at any given moment can be correlated to the directly to the proportion of gratitude that we are experiencing at any given moment. Because you could have everything in the world. If you're not grateful for it, 
it doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't feel good. But you could have far less than someone else or far less than you want. But if you are deeply, authentically grateful for everything that you do have, you feel great. Your life is great. And, uh, and then from that place of abundance, you can go create more of what it is that you want. Oh, I love it. You just said that so beautifully. And really, I just want to encourage everyone that hasn't read The Miracle Morning or doesn't know what that even is to, to buy the book. Check it out. There is, I mean, this is a game changer of a book. We actually talked about... We, uh, my, my wife and I uh, did a family planning day. And one of the things that we did is we talked about how we want to do what you said, where you're getting your family involved in The Miracle Morning. And so we want to do that. And nice. I just think that that's incredible. Hal, I am so pleased and so humbled to call you a friend and to have you in my life and to have you spend you know, a, a portion of your day today with us. This is just incredible. The value is amazing. I would love for our listeners to know where they can learn more about you. Yeah, go to miraclemorning.com. Uh, that's probably the best place, simplest place. And uh, you can find the books there. You can find the movie there. You can join the community there. We have uh, in our Facebook group, 290 something thousand like-minded people from over 100 countries that wake up every day and kind of support each other. And uh, yeah, come join the community, join the movement, join the mission. And uh, Justin, everything that you said, I uh, echo that right back to you. It's I'm, I'm grateful for you. And the more I get to know you, uh, the longer we're friends, the more I appreciate who you are and, and how you show up in the world and how much you care. And yeah, man. So uh, it's, uh, it's very mutual that I'm, I'm grateful to know you and, and Jen and uh, Savannah, the whole family, and uh, play volleyball together. And I know we're going to have a date night here uh, in the next few weeks, I think. And uh, yeah, man, it's a true privilege. Well, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. And I, you know, it's just fun having people that you are inspired to do life with. And so, you know, it, it, it's cool. You, you know, of, of everyone that I know, there's just a special place in my heart for the Elrods and uh, for you, Hal. And uh, for those of you that haven't checked out Hal's podcast, I think he has one of the best podcasts in existence. I think Hal is one of the most gifted interviewers out there. And so I'd really encourage you to check it out. In fact, I was just on. So, you know, if you have listen no to that reason, one. yeah, <laughs> check that one out if you want. But I mean, in all sincerity, I, I think Hal, I mean, truly in my network, I think they're some of the greatest podcasters that are on the planet. And uh, Hal really is that. So check him out. Check out what he's got going on. It really is game changer stuff. And then to everyone, to all my listeners, I just want to encourage you today to take a step in the direction of the life that you want to live. Take a step towards financial freedom today. Take some action to move towards a life by design, not a life by default. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. 
If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.